0: the records <coughs> all right let's do this all right all right, all right all right score you guys come in grab a drink grab some dessert come find a chair okay do you have a date solid 2020, okay, I'm going to look right after this, remind me, because 2020 is off the charts with people getting married, because it's like the end of a decade, it's the beginning of a decade, so like, people are going, people are going, it's going to be like the craziest, 2021 is going to go straight back down, but 2020 is like, as far as bookings go. So, remind me right after this. Yes, yes, yes. Remind me, remind me. Cool, cool. <coughs> you guys, welcome to More to Life. And dessert, and coffee, and drinks, and stuff like that. Alright, we bumped the time, and some of you still showed up. That's good. I just got back from a wedding up at Blue Lakes. so That's what I'm starting to feel like. It was just like the couple though it was so fun it was just the two of them and me and a photographer that was the photographer that just came in here because i left her umbrellas in case it rained yeah but anyway um so i was sitting at the crown today and at the crown i'm at the coffee shop the crown and i hear these two couples that are in town and they're visiting and they were trying to look up hikes like to go do and it was so funny because one of them looked up um this hike and they were talking about it, and they were reading it, and it sounded amazing. I didn't even remember which one it was. But at the end, it said, and it's just an easy six miles. And the person reading it all loud was like, six miles? There's nothing easy about that. And so then they all started talking about like how crazy six miles would be. And I was just thinking, it's so funny. like Listening to different people, and the ranges, and the perspectives that everybody has. It's cracked me up. Cracked me up. But... Um, I wanted to tell you too about one other thing. I had my first genuine real experience with a chiropractor and I know there's naysayers and there's people who like totally love it. We probably live in a community that probably loves it more than like knocks it but I grew up thinking chiropractors were wonky and like crazy people and they probably do more damage than help and once you start seeing them then you have to see them for the rest of your life but... My neck was hurting so bad and my neck was so wonky itself. I thought who better than a wonky person to like check this out and give me some kind of adjustment or something. Who knows? So anyway, go into the chiropractor and like apparently like I'm, I'm off, but it's not that bad, right? You know, like, and we're talking like all the way down to my hips, like everything. So like we started my hips and the, the big bone down here. And I went to see a guy who's got a table that like drops with you. I don't know if you guys have ever done this so like they like say like hey i'm gonna push on you but like then they crank the table up it goes like this and then they push on you and it drops at the same time so it's kind of crazy now he's like working on me working on me working on me now the real reason i went in was because my neck guys was hurting so bad my neck was getting to like daily like i mean i'm turning like this instead of my neck I can't really drive long distances like you could feel stuff up here it was just jacked up i mean i was getting monthly massages to kind of help calm things down but i was like finally chiropractor so anyway he's like by the time he gets all this he's like oh yeah this is looking good everything it's feeling awesome and then he's like your neck though like he's like yeah i mean there's some stuff that's out up here he's like so i'm only going to do this if you feel comfortable and he's like, so, and then he showed me, he was like, I'm gonna show you how far I'm gonna stretch your neck. You know, and he was like, I'm gonna stretch your neck about like this. Are you, do you feel comfortable with that? And I don't know, you're on the table, right? So I, I just said out of my mouth, I'm like, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. He's like, okay. He said, okay, and about in the span of two seconds, from me saying, okay, he went like this and my neck, cracked like eight to 10 times. And it was crazy cracked. And it was right where a lot of the pain was. It was nuts. And then he goes, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, to be honest, like, and then I start laughing and I'm like, cause I'm like every action movie I've ever watched in my life is like popping into my mind right now. It's like envisioning the rock sneaking up behind someone, grabbing their neck and throwing it like this and they just drop down dead. You know, like, I'm like, that's what I kind of feel like just happened to me. So he's asking me if I'm okay. I'm like, I guess I'll know when I get up, like, and walk around, like if I can. And we're kind of laughing, you know? And then um, and then he was like, well, we're not done. Cause over here on this side, he's like, and I'm gonna stretch you back. I'm like, is that okay? I'm like, sure. And he's like, Whack! and I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So it, I feel so much better. Unfreaking freaking believable Unbelievable. Huge, huge, absolute difference. But, I was just thinking about that, and this is kind of my intro to more to life. Like, very indicative of the human experience that we don't change or try anything until we're desperate. Like, so true. It's like push me up against the wall, back me into the corner, and then I might change my lifestyle. I might do something different. I might reach out or try something experimental. You know, like I might look out for that. So, with that said, I hope more to life always, like whether it's an email meeting with me for lunch or breakfast or coming here on these nights, I hope you always feel like the encouragement, the inspiration, the support to just take action early, right? Like the freedom to like try something different or like venture out and think, oh my gosh, I don't have to wait until like I'm up against the wall or in the corner. I don't have to wait until things get desperate because that's not when you really want to try something. It's not really when you want to take action. We need people to step up and do it earlier, earlier, whatever that's about. Like that can be a whole host of things. So take whatever little bit that is, apply it to you and make it work. Cause at More to Life, we're all about those next steps. And those next steps look different for everybody in every kind of way. Cause sometimes your next step would be absolutely horrible for someone else. Like, so it's about that kind of process and figuring that out. So, with that said, you guys knew I go. You guys know that I grew up in the church world. Um, I affectionately call it churchianity because like it was this whole other system. Um, but I grew up in that, and there were some common things, some good things that it did take away when I kind of like kind of stepped away from that a little bit. Now, one of them being that in Christianity, churchianity, like there was this whole worldview and perspective that was grounded, rooted in this idea of community. Like, and it all came from the Bible, and, and it was all supported there. It was like, this, here's this garden, and people, like, were created and put in here, and they're in community with one another, with the world, with God. Like, it all starts in relationship, in community. And now being 41 years old, and what I call a spiritual alchemist, um, there's one core ingredient that I still hang on to that I think is, like, really, really important, and it's that community piece community piece is really crucial for me like it's a core ingredient that I've got to have a part of my spirituality a part of my faith so I walk around with that and I keep it and I know that being in relationship and being a part of something bigger is really really important to me and I know that it's also important to you you just don't know it yet so I'm gonna take you on a little trip of like TV shows that uh, I grew up watching because my parents maybe watched them or maybe I just thought they were cool. What's this show? MASH. Okay, so my parents watched MASH. And, like, man, this is a show you had to tune into because there was no DVR and it played at a certain time. And this was one of the first shows that had a record, a record number of people tuning in for the finale. I mean, people got together and watched the end. Of this show and they also tuned in because like here's a group of people that are experiencing community in an extraordinary way and it rang true with the public at the time here's another one Cheers still love it I love it my parents watched it I watched it I probably got more out of it than my parents did honestly because like again churchianity. and so like my parents weren't big on the bar scene and all this kind of stuff but I thought Cheers was hilarious And again, this is about a bunch of people who, after work, go somewhere and connect. And their stories intertwine and intermingle and they share. Yeah, everybody knows your name. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. That's right. Anybody know this show? Bob. Bob Newhart. Who said that? Boom. Yes. Okay. Bob Newhart loved the man. Loved it. Daryl, Daryl, and Daryl are sitting in the front. If you have never seen the Bob Newhart show, try and find just one episode that you can find somewhere and just watch it and think of me the whole time. Because Bob Newhart made me laugh. I loved this guy. So awkward and so funny. Like at the same time, this poor dude, running this like bed and breakfast, almost in kind of, right, that they lived at, right? So you've got the job intermingling and relationships and employees and coworkers and visitors all in one place, really cool. Family Ties, The Keaton Family, right? Like this was one of the shows that I watched a lot of. Now, yes, some of you guys are going to get left out of this now, because now this is like a kid's show. I was digging on this, along with this one, Growing Pains. This show is called Growing Pains and was all about this family. Oh my gosh, I tuned into it all the time. So many cues and, and prompts out of this show. 90210, which just got a reboot, I heard. Um, I am not watching the reboot, but this show. Like, totally. The idea of community out there. This one. Okay, yeah, so now everybody in this room can probably know exactly what this one is. This is Friends. This one's still going on. I remember the finale of this when I was in college, and I got a bunch of people, and we, like hooked up a TV and brought it outdoors and tried to bring out couches and stuff. It was hilarious. And we tried to watch it all together because this show was influential. This is about like a bunch of friends who are living in a city and they're connecting because their parents all love other places and how hard is it to get jobs and how hard is it to go through relationships and all that kind of stuff. Then you fast forward to this one. We've got four other friends who are single and doing the dating thing and trying to figure out life and they're also like... Show's about nothing, totally like extraordinarily nothing. The show, it was just about like here's a snapshot of their life and like how do they connect and what does community look like through them. A Little bit more recent, The O.C. We watched a lot of The O.C. when we worked with Summit County youth students because it was a very, very popular show at the time. Um, What was that? Yeah, I mean Adam Brody. He, Adam Brody here in the end. He's a very, very funny character in the whole thing. But the OC. I was going to throw out this one too because this one is still alive and furiously alive. I have married two couples in the past summer that wanted me to mention during the ceremony how much they watch The Office. During the ceremony? During the ceremony! So we talk about, like, here's life and here's, like, little things. And by the way, like... These two watch an absurd amount of The Office, you know, like, they just drop it in there because they love this show so much. You grow attached to the characters. I don't know if you've ever had one of those conversations where you're listening in on someone else, you're eavesdropping, and they're talking about someone, and they're even, like, getting emotional about it, and then you figure out they're talking about characters, like, in The Office, and you're like, oh, my God, I thought that was, like, for real. I thought you and someone in your life that you know, but like, no, you know these characters that well. This is why Netflix is gonna go bankrupt. P.S. By the way, all what? All of them have certain things that people say, Seinfeld. Oh. Everybody says, oh, dude, the the piece man." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no soup for you. Like, I mean, so many quotes come out of these shows, and it, they're set in so many different areas of life. It's like a family. It's like at the job. It's like all over the place. Here's another one, Friday Night Lights. We watched a lot of that one too with Summit County students. And this one's really fun. I mean, it's football. And it was just a great, great chance to look in on school and relationships and things like that. But here's what I want you to know. All of those shows click, resonate, connect simply because they reflect something that's really hardwired into us. And it's like, whether you realize it, pay attention, or know it or not, it's clicking with you because we have a desire and need for community, a space in which we belong, and we can be our true selves. A little bit about what we talked about last time about being our true selves. You want that space. You're desperately hoping for that space. And where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? Now, regardless, if you're introverted or you're extroverted, your... Wanting a space in which you can know other people and also be known. You want to be a part of something bigger, something outside of yourself, and there's this deep, deep desire within you. Now, I know Brene Brown is getting a lot of popularity and stuff, and you guys might not be able to read this. I'll read it for you. Brene Brown, a professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work, specializes in social connection, she said in an interview that... A deep sense of love and belonging is an irresistible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. And when those needs are not met, we don't function as we were meant to. We may think we want money, power, fame, beauty, eternal youth, or a new car, but at the root of most of these desires is a need to belong, to be accepted, to connect with others. And to be loved. It's pretty interesting stuff. Now, a basic need, this is what I want to convince you of tonight a little bit, a basic need, like food and shelter, is the basic need to belong to a group and form relationships. If you're thinking like food and shelter, water and all this kind of stuff and we quickly say, I mean my boys will bring it up. If we're out somewhere on a hike and it's hot, one of them will say something stupid like, you know how long you can live without water? you know what i mean so like you know like your thrival your survival hinges also on social interaction like human interaction like we don't realize it but we're paying a price all the time when we don't have it or when it doesn't hit some of those things that she mentioned in that definition when it's not like caring for you when you don't feel belonging When you don't feel acceptance when you don't have those in place it's like you're not getting water like you're not getting food like you don't have shelter now the desire to be in a loving relationship fit in at school join a fraternity or sorority avoid rejection and loss to see your friends do well and be cared for to share good news with your family to cheer on your sports team to even check in on facebook and social media it's all of those things and more that motivate us an incredibly massive array of our thoughts actions and feelings. Now sometimes you might think it's something else, but underneath so many of these things is this idea of community, connection, interaction, belonging, wanting to be a part of something actually bigger. This idea of community spans the full spectrum of human relationships. We're talking family, so you've got parents, siblings, you know relatives the crazy ones too like it's all a part of that we're talking like coworkers and bosses and employees we're talking strangers we're talking just fellow brothers and sisters who exist on the planet at the same time as you we're here for the same hundred years okay so the idea of community is expansive and it bridges a lot now it can't even extend if we wanted it to To all of life. We could say like this idea of being in relationship and connection could be like we could blow it up to all living things. We could say it's all animals, it's all species, it's even the planet Earth. But tonight we're gonna back up just to humanity, just to human interaction, just to that kind of connection because I'm gonna try and persuade you tonight that there is no equivalent. Absolutely no equivalent. I've been reading more and more about this and I'm super convinced that there isn't an equivalent for human interaction and connection. It doesn't exist. We've tried to substitute it. I'm not saying like we haven't tried. I'm just saying they fall short. So when it comes to human interaction, these are just some of the small things that I've read. They're saying like having no friends is worse for you than smoking, as far as your health goes. And if you're keeping up with all the vaping stuff, oh my God, like get some friends. You know what I mean? Like, Cause like if it's worse than that, good Lord. All right, so strong connections help you live longer. We all know, like they do studies now and they're like finding people and they're like, how old are you? Oh my God, you're 101, tell me the secret. And what they find out is that they have close connections and tight knit friends. And they're surrounded by people, right? And they enjoy those connections. Connected people, also, they're nicer. (laughs) That's like a given, right? (laughs) Feeling connected helps you ward off disease. They talk about how it bolsters your immune system, The chemical things are happening inside your body, like from smiles and hugs to kind words, what it does inside of you, and how it helps you fight those things off. Connected people are less likely to be depressed. We're finding more and more right now that rates of things like suicide, depression and anxiety are through the roof what we're also finding is is that human interaction and connection and close relationships are declining and dissolving faster than ever they feel like these two things are correlated somehow and that's not to like dismiss anything chemical happening in people but it's to say like you don't have to be like going to the club i'm not talking about that either right it's not like social interaction get out get like no 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 we're talking not not quantity we're talking quality quality that human interaction and connection so when researchers refer to the concept of social connection they mean the feeling that you belong to a group and generally feel close to other people scientific evidence strongly suggests that this is a core psychological need essential to feeling satisfied with your life I like that. Because I feel like I've been duped a lot of times. Well, yeah. Just really quickly. Yeah. Um, in some accounting, it, it, it takes years before you start making friends. Mm-hmm. Because people don't think you're going to stay around. And so the connection doesn't happen really fast. Yeah. Suicide issue. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people come here and they uproot themselves from everything they felt like that could ground them and keep them stable. Mm-hmm. Right? I know that's what we did. We got married and we said, oh, my God, if we go to Decatur, Illinois, you're going to be Phil's wife to the day you die. That's, she wouldn't even have a name. You know? <laughs> okay. And, like... And so, and the same thing, it was like, well, if we go to where you've been, like, I'm going to be Ann's husband. And so we were like, let's go somewhere where we can create our own story and we'll always be known as Phil and Ann. And so, like, we came out here to Breckenridge and it snowed the day after we got here in October. And I was wearing flip-flops and I was like, what would we do? Like, why did we come here? And then you, like, you start, like, carving this out. But then you realize, man, here comes a holiday and all of our families are really far away. Who do we celebrate with? Who do we connect to? I'm having a really hard day. Who do I call? Like, who do I meet with? All of those things kind of creep up and and it can be difficult. And that's why tonight I'm gonna encourage you guys as much as you can to try and establish human connection and interaction. And it's not easy. It's not easy. And a lot of times you may have come away from relationships, like I came away from relationships that were awesome awesome relationships. And then I found myself back at ground zero and I forgot how long it took to make those relationships awesome. And just so you guys know, I mean, life only gets more complex as you live, you know, like when I was 20, I had a bunch of time I could burn up. I don't have that kind of time to burn up anymore. I've got three boys and a wife and a job. And it's like I have less and less time to actually devote and put towards those relationships that take a long time to form. Because people can be guarded too. That can be a huge obstacle. Now, I this whole idea, this core psychological need is essential to feeling satisfied with your life. Sometimes I kind of feel duped. I kind of feel duped because I feel like I've been pretty convinced that if I have certain things and if I make a certain amount of money, I'll feel pretty satisfied. Like, and after I say that out loud, and some of you are like shaking your head at me, like, what are you thinking, Phil? It's like, no, but I kind of go there on a daily basis. Like, I figured that out. So I had this uh, interesting thing pop up. Oh, that's the wrong one, but hang on. I'm gonna show you a chart. And what they tried to do was quantify human interaction in dollars. For those of us who are duped, like I am. And you kind of feel like, well, what is it really? How, how is it really valuable? Like, what is this? And so they had some economists literally try to put numbers on what the human inter- interaction does for you. This, let's just read it since it's up, right? Social connection apparently is on the decline in the U.S. with Americans having an average of three close friends in 1985 and only one in 2004 when they did the poll. Um, sadly, a quarter of Americans report having no one in which to confide in. At all that's a quarter of all of us um, just feeling like you can't there's there's no one you can turn to there's no one you can talk to there's no one I can trust right so there's probably some baggage there some experiences we've had that make us feel that way so looking at the increase to your happiness is money that's what we're gonna do right now money so if you volunteer at least once a week these economists said it's like moving from a yearly income of twenty thousand to seventy five thousand that's how good you're gonna feel If you volunteer once a week, seriously, like this is what they're quantifying. Like I read this whole study. A friend that you see most days is like earning $100,000 more each year. That's the benefit you're picking up that you don't realize because we don't quantify it with money, right? Simply seeing your neighbors on a regular basis. This one blew my mind. It gets you a 60,000 bump seeing your neighbors what like so yeah have some neighbors like maybe pick a place like whew. all right like in our neighborhood you can definitely feel the difference in the summertime and like spring and fall when everyone's outside and hanging out and then in the winter when everyone's like hibernating you feel a difference you feel it you feel more lonely and like i haven't seen people for months now like absolutely bizarre true absolutely bizarre but true Seriously, of right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, right here at the bottom, on the other hand, when you break a critical social tie, here, for example, in the case of getting divorced, it's like suffering a $90,000 per year decrease in your income. It can be a hard blow. And sometimes we don't give credit where credit is due. So I do want to take at least a moment here tonight to acknowledge that when you suffer like a critical tie and people are like, I don't know, like, I mean, it was just a friend. Like you just moved away from some people or maybe that person hurt your feelings or maybe, I don't know what it is. That's a big blow. I'm going to talk about it here in a minute, but like they're doing studies now because they can read brain activity. And like if Chapa went and broke his leg, we'd be like, oh my God, get attention, dude like your bones sticking out. Like you need to get that fixed and you need to do some rehabilitation. Like let's get him back and walking around. They're doing brain activity that that like tracks and scores like a sheet and it'll tell you exactly what's happening. This kind of pain, this kind of rejection, this kind of loss, this kind of disconnection, the brain is processing it as physical pain. Your brain hurts and pain is pain and when we tell people just to get over it or we act like nothing really happened or like when a few days pass and and (laughs) we're kind of like well what's going on it's like no man this person needs like care and attention and they need to bounce back they need help it's just like being hurt physically it's crazy now I wanted you guys to see that because last time and the time before, I, le- I left you guys with assignments. I was like, hey, you guys need to get out of here and go do something and try and experience. The first time, I was like, hey, I want you to like wave at people, smile, and use their name and interact with them like they're a human being. The second time, it was like added on to that. I had you guys thinking of these three words. And I wanted you to take the three words. And what I wanted you to do was, because they were words specific to you that you kind of have to explain, but they kind of summed up your week, your month, your year. Um, I wanted you to start a conversation with someone and be your true, authentic self. And in doing so, hopefully invite them to elicit the same response, right? You create that space, you risk, they do it. Why did I want you guys to do that? Because it's hard. And it feels like it's happening less and less. That whole idea of like being your true, authentic selves. I showed you a bunch of shows which are kind of substitutes. I'm not kidding around. Like if I want to feel connected, I'll go watch Ross and Chandler and Joey and the girls. You know what I mean? Like, cause I feel like I know them. So if I'm having like a bummer day, I don't know, maybe I won't reach out to a real human being and interact with them because it kind of feels a little difficult. It kind of feels hard. I don't know. And I'll instead, turn on the office and laugh my ass off. (laughs) Like, because, like, it's instantaneous, it's on my time, and it's simple. There are plenty of substitutes for human interaction and connection. They exist, but they're no equivalent. They still don't measure up. They don't quite meet the mark. Now, my boys might tell you that I hate animals. I don't okay, I really don't hate animals. Like, we just don't have any, right? Because, like, I'm allergic to cats and dogs, and it's another mouth to feed and all this kind of stuff, okay? I can have heard the stories. My dog, it's had so many surgeries. Ah! My sister has a horse. (laughs) Yeah, okay? So I get it, like, but I just have to throw this out there. I read a lot and I look at a lot and I've been noticing like how many people buy houses and they don't fill the house with people and I've also been noticing like how many people also like are into pets right now and I'm not going to knock pets because I watched that movie when the dog died and cried too okay and I go there and I'm like man I kind of wish I would have bought a puppy when the boys were little you know what I mean like I have those moments but here's my thing pets are amazing and they do so much for us as individuals but again no equivalent I have to stress that I want to put that out there because some people are using it for a substitute okay the TV shows are on your terms always turn them on turn them off turn them on turn them off whenever I want whenever I want pets Kind of the same thing. I know when I come home they're gonna love me. You know what I mean? Like, I know that it's still on my terms to a large degree. It's like what you said, it's no equivalent. It's not an equivalent. And I'm not knocking pets. Please don't hear me say this because, like, I know that pets are amazing and they do crazy things for people. I had this whole talk with this producer who's like matching up veterans with a puppy. And like, he's creating this whole camp, like in California, where it's doing extraordinary things for veterans. Like, animals are amazing, but we're talking about human connection and interaction tonight, and you're hardwired for it. You can't keep substituting things for that, because it will impact you. And there are several benefits, and I feel like crazy for trying to stress the benefits, you know what I mean? i like pump you guys up and be like, it's gonna help you not get sick. I mean, you might still get strep there but I don't know, like, I mean like, but there's so much there in community. Yeah, seriously. You are hanging out with the wrong people. Yeah, right, right, right. Oh my gosh. I told you guys a story last time about me sitting at Starbucks, putting on headphones and not paying attention and just kind of being in my little world. And I even suggested that like the shows taking my pet for a walk like we have so many options and alternatives and substitutes I can slip on my headphones when I go to the grocery store I can avoid that which there is no equivalent I can avoid it and I can do so very well like it's so easy to do and it happens all the time and I feel like it's just kind of a a protective mechanism I feel like we've had some bad experiences I feel like we've, like, encountered some stuff that really, really hurt. We've seen that pain side of things. We felt it. We might not have bounced back appropriately, and it's for real. And so we start protecting ourselves. And what we do is we end up settling for less. We end up settling for less. It's just kind of what we do. Oh, Oof. Oof, that was the last one. Sorry, guys. I'm going to bring that back up. Boom, boom. No equivalent. We settle for less. We sacrifice that which there is no equivalent, believing honestly that we're going to be okay. Like, it's okay if we just substitute this one out. It's not that big of a deal. And so we keep going on. Now, there's this guy, Matthew Lieberman. He wrote this book. I think it's called Social, believe it or not. Um, And I'm going to read just a little bit of what he's got for you guys, because he says some interesting things. He says, social connections are as important to our survival and flourishing as the need for food safety and shelter. But over the last 50 years, while society has been growing more and more prosperous, our individualistic and social connections have been dissolving and declining. We volunteer less, we entertain guests at our home less, we're getting married less. I don't see that one happening. (laughs) Um, We're having fewer children and we have fewer and fewer close friends with whom we'd share the intimate details of our lives we are increasingly denying our social nature and we're paying a price for it over the same period of time that social isolation has increased our levels of happiness have gone down while rates of suicide and depression have multiplied across the board people are increasingly sacrificing their personal relationships for the pursuit of wealth the american freshman survey has been tracking the values of college students since the mid-60s the survey is a good barometer of social and cultural change, and it shows how far we've come in prioritizing material values over social ones. In 1965, college freshmen said that starting a family and helping others were more important life goals than being very well off financially. By the 80s, it was reversed. Helping others and starting a family were less important to college freshmen than making a lot of money. In 2012, Freshmen prioritizing being very well off financially peaked at 81%, the highest that number's ever been in the survey's history. And he says here, he said, the more individuals endorse materialism as a positive life value, the less happy they are with their lives. So he wrote this book. It's called Social, and it's it's all about like human connection and stuff. And it's a pretty cool book. You should check it out. But I want you guys to get cheesy just for a second with me. Because I always say the best things in life aren't advertised, they're never plugged, and they're probably cheesy, but they're probably true at the same time, right? So we're going to get a little cheesy just for a second, because it's that whole idea, when someone's on their deathbed, they never turn and say what? I wish I would have worked more. Wish I would have worked more. Mm -hmm. Wish I would have made more money. Instead, they turn to things that are about other people. And they start talking about relationships. They start talking about loved ones and friends. They even talk about hard relationships. I wish I would have made that right. Right? So it's like all of those moments, and I want to get cheesy about that just for a second because I want you to know, again, to remember, we have these moments of epiphany when we wake up and when we see, like, man, relationships and social interaction. We are hardwired for that it feels core, it feels central to us. And it pops up at different times in life. Now weddings make me think about this a lot. I get to share this profound moment of connection with people who fly from all over the world and they get into one space and they have this moment and they haven't seen people forever and I just watch all the endless high fives and chest bumps and like hugs and tears and cries and like you always end up talking with some older person off to the side who's standing there just taking it in. They're like, this is so great. Isn't this awesome? Why don't we do this more? And then the party ends and everybody flies home and everybody gets back to whatever it was they were doing, right? So I just watched this uh, comedian that I love. This comedian that I love. And uh, he's funny, I'm not gonna say his name because you guys are gonna watch him and you're gonna be like, dude, he's pretty crass. uh, But he's a funny guy. And he did this experiment that I'm gonna have you do in just one moment after I tell you one more story. And I don't want to like hide the fact that yeah, I'm probably manipulating your emotions right now, okay? Like this is probably happening on a wide scale, but at least I'm being honest to God about it, okay? I just did a rushed wedding last week rushed wedding. What is that, you say? Well, the father had been diagnosed, right? And so we bumped this wedding up, and we made it happen for this couple. And it happened on Sunday. It's past Sunday. And so we're up, and we're doing this wedding, and the clouds are rolling in, and I'm telling you what, this bride, she doesn't care at all. It was the coolest thing to watch her like, demeanor and presence through this whole wedding. It was unbelievable. The rain started coming in, and they were just so happy. I mean, they started walking down the aisle before the music started playing, before the DJ got in, and they're just, like, beaming, you know, and they're coming. Like, there were so many things going wrong because they were just like, let's do this, la, 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 all right, let's go down the aisle. You know what I mean? Like, everything was just happening. It was awesome because they had everybody they needed there for this moment. And then the clouds roll in, the rain starts happening, and they go inside and they start taking pictures with her family and her dad and her mom. And like someone was like, Well, if we wait like 30 minutes, maybe, maybe, the, you know, it'll probably blow over. And she's like, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like what's behind us in the background of this. All that matters is who's in the picture. And so they got their pictures and they made this rushed wedding happen. Now, this comedian that I loved, um, he had this moment in his set where he did something that I found extraordinary. And I wanted to try it here. And I mean, like, I'm I'm obviously at times I'm holding back and my voice cracks and I cry all the time, so you guys know that. So if you shed a couple of tears, that's okay, it's all right. But we are so disconnected sometimes from the people that we truly enjoy and love in life. And that can be anything from like, we work too, way too much, um, to distance to disagreements about political leaders, um, to who knows what. But again, we're talking about that huge array of humanity. right? So there's people in your life that you know and love and enjoy. And those are friends and their family and their co-workers. Maybe you had a great experience with a stranger. I don't know. But here's the thing. I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to think about the last time you had a deep, true, honest interaction with whoever that person is. Whoever it is for you, whatever it looks like, think back to that last, true, deep connection. And then, I want you to think about how many times that deep, true connection happens for you in a year. Right? And now I want you to open your eyes this comedian was talking, and when he was sharing, he was sharing about his parents. And he was talking about how much he loves his parents and how much he gets to see them, and he said he sees them like three times a year because they live far apart, you know? And then he's like, you know, and I mean, three times a year. And then he got real honest with the audience, and he said, they've probably got 20 years left. He's like, what is that? That's like 60 more times? He's like, that's not enough. You know what I mean? When you quantify it suddenly, it's like, wait a second, wait a minute, what are we doing? Why is that the amount that that becomes? And so what he encouraged people to do, and what I'm going to encourage you to do, I don't know who popped into your mind or what human being it was, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a hold of that person and some time with them and make it more and make it more. I don't know what that looks like for you. If it can be phone calls, you know what I mean? Like we live in a pretty great year where like you can pick up a phone and you can even FaceTime with people all the way across the world. And you can get some of that interaction and use it that way. Take advantage. Grab a hold of those people in your life that you enjoy, that you love, that you know you can have more time with them that you know you can like suddenly prioritize them in a better kind of way and have that experience. Because there's no equivalent outside of that experience. It doesn't exist. You're going to substitute with all sorts of things, but it's always going to fall short. It's never going to quite measure up. Now, I'm going to suggest eh, four things for you before we get out of here that I hope that maybe could help you with this whole human experience kind of thing, this whole human interaction, connection kind of thing. And the first one's really easy. Um, It's conversation, conversation. And I'm gonna throw this out there. My sons love to watch this YouTuber who has recently been discovering what I call group games. Like, so he films himself and his friends playing group games. And you might think that's like nothing, but it's pretty funny because they've never seen these group games, and I and watch them, and we're like, yeah, seen that a million times. We used to play that with people. You know what I mean? Like, so Taboo. It's like they're all sitting down playing Taboo, or Pictionary, or Password, or something like that. And they're filming themselves, and it's hilarious. And they watch it, and it's so fun. And you get to see them interact. They had this one game that we tried as a family called Spyfall. Oh my gosh, Spyfall, I don't even want to get into it. You can go Google Spyfall. But it's this game where you have to ask each other questions and not give anything away. And one person knows something and everybody else knows something else. It's crazy. But as we were doing this and sitting around, I was like, man, you have to be really clever at the questions you ask during this game to be good at this and not give anything away. And I started thinking about just conversation about like, we've got to come up with some really good questions to ask of one another. And I'm talking about good, true, deep connection, human interaction. So not like you call up whoever it was that you had, you know, and you're like, so how's the weather? Conversation done. You know, like it's not, it's not that easy. Like we're trying to like get you guys to connect and have that true, deep connection. So when it comes to conversation, good questions, clever questions, revealing questions, sharing questions, listening and learning questions, it's that idea of being known and also knowing someone else. So, human interaction, conversation. You gotta start some of those up. You gotta make them happen. You gotta take a couple steps past the whole awkward thing and get to the conversation parts. Can't be a yes, or no yes or no questions yes. fall dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I got my kids into school and for we didn't have daycare or anything. We get to hang around our kids all the time. So you just got to see what they had, you know, for lunch. You got to experience life with them and all this kind of stuff. And then they went off to school. And then they were gone for, like, a huge part of the day. And suddenly they would come home, you would ask a question. Hey, what'd you guys do today? Because I'm just curious. I mean, I want to know what you did. I didn't get to see you all day. Nothing. You know, like, and so you have to get really clever. How was school today? And one word response, you know? Did you enjoy it? Yes. Done. Conversation over. So you have to get clever at asking questions. You have to ask the follow-up question as well. You know what I mean? So you have to listen and engage if you truly want to know and learn about somebody. You've got to figure that out. Um, You have to say no to say yes. You have to say no to say yes. So what I mean by that is you have to prioritize better. Matthew Lieberman. One last story to leave you with. Distinguished social psychologist, neuroscientist, he basically won the lottery. This past summer he was offered $3 million for an academic position, $1 million in raw income, and two to do lab research. That's a king's ransom for a psychology professor, by the way. On average, psychology professors make less than six figures and rely on a patchwork of modest grants to sustain their research. All Lieberman had to do was spend four months this year and next year in Moscow. A nice enough city doing some research which he would have done anyway at home at UCLA. But there was a catch. He would have to be away from his wife Naomi and seven-year-old son Ian for those eight months. They couldn't join him in Moscow. He had a basic trade-off problem, one that kept him up for many nights. Should I take the money and give up those eight months with my family or should I stay home and give up the money and research opportunities? In one form or another, we've all faced this same dilemma. In a more modest scale. Do you work late tonight or join your family for dinner? Do you go to the conference or to your friend's wedding? Do you prioritize your career or your relationships? These facts and more were on Lieberman's mind as he was struggling over the big decision he had to make, and after a gut-wrenching couple of weeks and many sleepless nights, Lieberman finally made up his mind and took the money. No, I'm just kidding. In the end, he turned down the $3 million dollars. He didn't want to be away from his wife and son. And he said, those eight months with them, I will never get back. As tempted as he was by the money, he decided that his relationships were more important. Sometimes you have to say no in order to say yes. You have to deprioritize some things in order to make other things kind of ramp up and click up the scale. You've got to find a way to be able to do that. When it comes to human interaction, definitely. You've got to figure out how to say no, so you can say yes to some things. And then I was going to throw out too: experience more. When it comes to birthdays, holidays, anniversaries, hanging out with friends, like, see what you can do. I mean, I I read a lot of this simplifying life stuff, you know, and it's all about like have the experience, not the stuff. You know what I mean? So like a while back, we we were trying to tell our grand, our parents, grandparents of our boys, like, don't give them like Christmas gifts, like. Buy us like a pass to somewhere so we can all go somewhere and do something together. It's more about the experience. It's all more about the human interaction that we get to have instead of the stuff. So like whatever you can do to lean more towards experience with those people that you love, right? Like sometimes I know like people like to watch football games and stuff like that. And that can be an experience too. But intentionally go into it thinking like, okay, how can we have an experience Versus just sit by one another in silence for three hours, right? How can we interact and have connection? I know, I know, I know. I'm not knocking football either, guys, okay? I'm not knocking pets. I'm not knocking football. Okay, with all of this said, and where I want to leave you guys at, where I want to leave you guys at, there's coming soon on a mortal life night near you, is a game night, okay? Is a game night where we can just show up and we can do some things and kind of interact together. Maybe you'll get your chance to play Spyfall. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe something will happen, but coming soon is a game night. On top of that, we had a meeting at our house a long time ago with some people who are actually here tonight. We did a talk about the talk night at our house. We had about six people come over and we shared and had conversation and stuff. And one of the things we were dreaming up was wouldn't it be cool if More to Life would put together a list and people could sign up if they want to make themselves available for phone calls or text or hanging out? Coming soon. <laughs> At the next More to Life night is a blank sheet of paper in the back room where you can put your name down and your number, and you can say, yeah, I'd be willing to go to lunch. I'd be willing to hang out. And all we're going to do is make that list available to all of you right? Because it can be hard. Like James said, it can be tough. And sometimes you just need to know that someone's available. And someone else said, hey, I'll, I'll show up. <laughs> I'll meet. I'll be there. Last thing. We're going to end on the cheese. You never have any moment ever again right? So this is our moment. And tomorrow you're going to have lots of moments with other people, other human beings, other human beings who are hardwired for human connection and interaction. And we get to choose, we get to decide, we get to author our stories and lives in a way that says, I value you and I'm going to connect with you. Anne's got this thing up at work behind her. Yeah. Yeah. They did this thing like at the L School and she puts up this bubble and it says something about like, what's it say babe? Tell us. Uh, It says like, I I want students, staff, and visitors to feel seen, heard, and valued. I want students, staff, and visitors to feel seen, valued, heard, seen, and valued. So the goal for Anne is she sits behind this desk and this computer, and she has plenty to do all day long. But she gets interrupted a lot by, like, me and other people and kids that say, like, I hurt, you know? And, like, well, where? Like, over here, you know? Like, let me get some eyes for you. Like, there's so many interruptions that come in. And so what she's trying to say, though, is when you come in, I want you to feel seen, valued, and heard. And she's just saying, like, when there's a human being in front of me, I'm going to choose to connect with them and not this screen or this list or this other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, if a phone call comes, I'll silence that. Like, I'm going to put you, human being, first, and I'm going to connect and interact with you. We're talking about, like, on the small scale of that all the way to chase down the true, pure source of human connection and interaction for you. Whoever came to mind, or if it was multiple people, stop settling for anything less, or any kind of substitute, because it's not an equivalent. Go after the real thing. Chase after it, be intentional, and try to make that happen for you. There's plenty of upsides. The biggest one being, you're hardwired for it. And in the end, It makes you feel like life is fulfilling. That's what you'll find out. It wasn't about working more, making more, blah, blah, blah. It was like, man, I hung out with those people. I said my piece, I had those experiences, I made amends. I did, you know what I mean? Like all of the in-between, the easy and the hard stuff. What about if the people you wanna connect with resist? All right, you and me need to talk, and then, um, <laughs> but you just reminded me of something very important, and I know it's, yep, it's right there. we got two minutes. You just reminded me of something very important, but I do want to talk with you about that. Um, toxic people, toxic people, um, aren't any good either. I mean, because, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, I mean, if you've got someone in your life, like, in a relationship or something like that, um, all of the negative things. Like, when I say there's no equivalent to human interaction, let's just say and be honest that there's two sides to that equation, right? So over here, it's awesome and it's kind words and it's smiles and it's hugs and it's true connection and it's authenticity and transparency and it's learning and growing, it's compromise, it's working through things. And then over here, it's like brutal. There's no equivalent for that kind of loss, that kind of heartbreak, that kind of rejection. Um, those kind of hateful words, um, that kind of treatment, that kind of fill in the blank, right? And so like you're dealing with, I understand why some of us do prefer substitutes because it can get really messy really quick sometimes. And there's lessons to be learned in all of that, but as far as toxic and it being that way all the time and that draining and that belittling and that hurtful, it's like, man... At some point you have to cut yourself free somehow. Um, you can change those people. So it's not even toxic. some people just try to they in a deeper way and they resist. just Yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, no I can't go there. Okay, I'll throw and this out there. Say that, but they really, yeah yeah they really force it, so. I was gonna say yeah you can't force it you can offer. There's this whole side of being known and I can only know someone as much as they'll let me know them. Um, <laughs> So if they're family, like sometimes I have to settle for knowing them less, if that's as much as they'll let me know them. And that can come down to trust. Maybe something happens to them and, and their, their trust is just broken. And it might take just a lot of time. But I had like like I had like several friendships in college that went really deep. And I came out of that being like, man, I can't wait to connect to like people in Breckenridge. This is going to be awesome. And then I quickly found out, like, that some people had never experienced a friendship that deep. And they didn't want to go there. And, like, they would be like, man, Phil's my best friend. And I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about you. Like, because that's as deep as they had gone before, right? And so, like, I found myself wanting more, but I couldn't pull it out of that person, and I couldn't have it with that person. So sometimes you do have to settle for that's as much as they're going to let me know them now and I have to work with that. I've got to work with that. Because you also don't want it to just turn into this like, why won't you go deeper? And then it just gets a little intense, right? (laughs) Anyway, I hope you guys go out there and experience some human interaction and connection. I want it for you. I hope you get it. I want it for me like all of us, and maybe if you find yourself playing the substitute card here in the next week, pause, take a moment, and challenge yourself to figure something else out and try and remedy that in some kind of way. Personally, I always pick up the phone when I find myself doing that and I call somebody and I try and connect. I just try and have that moment. That's the easiest for me to do that fast, right? Anyway, thank you guys for being here tonight. Awesome time. Game night coming soon. List coming next time when we meet. Um, yes. yes. Every, it's like every two weeks. And next time what we're talking about, just so you know, we're talking about the word. What is it, Chapa? You know the word. Uh, leisure. Leisure. We're talking about the word leisure ledger. next time. Ledger. The word leisure. So and it will be at 6. Yes, it will be back at back 6. 6. six. And on, Tuesday. six. And on Tuesdays. On Tuesdays. And we're talking about the word leisure.